Mac Power Users, episode 392, iOS Utilities. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd, alongside with my pal David Sparks. Hello, David. Hello, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? Excellent. We did a show on Mac Utilities recently, and everybody liked it. They did. I, I heard that we cost some people some money, which, as you know, is always our goal here at Mac Power Users. Yeah. And, and that was a few months ago. So by now you've replenished the account a little bit. So we thought we'd do another show on utilities, but this time on iOS. Yeah, it seems like it makes sense. Uh, before we dive in, I do want to make a, a quick announcement about our Facebook group. So the first thing I should tell you is that the genesis of this show actually came from the Facebook group. Someone started talking about iOS utilities, and so I posted the question, hey, um, what are your must-have iOS utilities? And as of the time I was prepping the show notes for the show, that thread had over 120 comments on it. Yeah, it's an awesome group. It is an awesome group with a lot of great ideas there. Um, But the one thing I do want to mention is because it's such an awesome group, we've got uh, close to 5,000 members now. Uh, It is starting to attract the attention of some of the... um, um, less, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? The, the, um, the CD pa- Facebook population, I guess. Um, less awesome people. The, the less yes. awesome Facebook population, uh, the most, mostly the, uh, fake Facebook population, I think. Um, and so we're, we're getting a lot of, and, and we've been very lucky. We've got some great moderators in there. Thank you, Rose. Um, taking care of problems as they pop up and very few problems have popped up, but we're having to be a lot more selective about approving requests to join because every time when I wake up in the morning, I probably see about 10 requests to join or more and about half of them are pretty clearly spammers. So we've had to be pretty selective because anything that just at this point looks funny, uh, we're we're denying the request to join. So um, if you've been denied or if your request has been pending for a week or more, um, please reach out, maybe on send us a tweet or, or send, drop an email or something and let us know because it's, it's possible that you accidentally got caught up in our spam filter. We're not trying to uh, cut anybody that's a listener of the show, just all the other crazy people. Yes. Well, anybody who's not listening to the show by definition would be a crazy person, right? Of course. And, yeah, it's funny because that's the biggest problem with the Facebook group for us is just keeping out the that element. But otherwise, the people in there are super nice to each other, and it's just a very supportive community. I, You know, some online communities don't go that way, but ours does, and that makes me happy. Yep, and we got to keep it a happy place in there. So not an easy job, but we're happy to do it. So let's get back to talk about what we're here for, and that is all about iOS utilities. I didn't think that this would be, you know, I'm always the naysayer. I'm always the one who says, ah, that's fine, but I don't think we can do a whole show on that. And um, Yeah, you do say that quite a bit, Katie. I'm, <laughs> I'm not thinking that's going to be the case about this show. I think we've got plenty of content. But I want to start with some definitions. because okay. Because... Right. The lawyers at work. Yes, we need, we need to define our scope here. What is a utility? That is a little easier, perhaps, to define on Mac than it is on iOS. I pretty famously said, I I don't know, but I know it when I see it. Don't know that I can define it, but I know it when I see it. Yeah, it is hard. And I I think we did a pretty good job with this list because it's interesting for Katie and I. uh, Katie got the idea from Gray, and then I got the idea from Katie where we have just these four folders on our home screens where we dump most of the apps and then the rest of the home screen is apps. So you had to be very, you know, I have four categories 
and and Katie, just, they're roughly the same categories. We've named them different, but um, go ahead, tell people what your categories are. Okay, well, I I, I like to use verbs, so uh, mine are make, learn, fix, and play. So uh, to me, anything that I've dropped into the fix folder, uh, that's the only place I went to find apps for the show outline. Wait, fix? So fix is your utilities folder. Yeah, the utility fixes a little something. Okay, so mine are named utilities, leisure, productivity, and information. Yeah, that's, I, it sounds to me like the exact same categories. And and so information would be like news and weather and those types of things. And um, so I think sometimes the, the lines get blurred a little between what is a utility and what is a productivity app, because a, a utility certainly can make you more productive. But I tend to think of utility apps as being apps that maybe have a narrower focus. Maybe they're a single use to accomplish a specific task and not necessarily an app that maybe they can provide you information, but it's not like a weather app or a news app that that's all their job is, is to provide you information. Yeah. And interesting because you and I put our list together separately and I don't think either one of us kind of straight into information type apps. Yeah, I started to um, uh, occasionally and, um, you know, would, would quickly delete those. I was like, no, that, that doesn't work. That really needs to be more in, in the information category. So, All right. So now that we've got it down, uh, utility to me is a small application that helps you get something else done. Not necessarily at like a, like the make folder for me is like stuff like word processors and things like that. But utilities are little tools that help me fix text, for instance. And I've got a couple of those on the list today. You have utilities dealing with text. I'm shocked. I have three. Yeah. I'm surprised you don't have a whole folder for text utilities. No, they, they're all in my fix folder. Okay. All right, let's get started, man. All right. Um, well, I'm going to crank us off here because um, I just, I'm going to take charge like that. Uh, the first one that I'm going to pick is a longtime favorite. This has probably been an app that's been on my iPhone, I think, as long as there have been apps on the iPhone. And that is the Deliveries app. Um, it's made by a company called June Cloud. This is an app that got its start as a widget. And it, I, I don't think it's still a widget. You might be able to still get it as a widget. Um, it's an app on the iPhone. It is now an app on the Mac, and it's also in Notification Center on the map. But this is a, an app where it very simply tracks your packages. Um, so you can go in, you can scan barcodes, you can add tracking information, If you, especially if you use it in companion uh, with their web service that comes included if you buy the app. You can forward information to the June Cloud service and it will add um, information about your deliveries. So for example, if you get a delivery confirmation or if you get a, a shipping notification, you forward that to a special email address and it will automatically get added to your deliveries account. And it will show all of the information regarding your deliveries, whether it's from any of the major carriers. And that's what it does. And it periodically updates itself in the background. And it will just let you know where all of your packages are and where things stand in, in terms of this package is gonna be delivered today. This one's three days out, this one's five days out. It is a little embarrassing um, around the holiday time because sometimes I have several screens of deliveries that I'm managing. Yeah, it's uh, and you don't have to go through the online service. You can just copy and paste the Amazon or the UPS or whatever number into the app, and it'll do all the work for you that way. Um, do you, now, do you use this for every package that comes to you? Pretty much, yeah. Why wouldn't you? I, I don't. I just don't bother with it that often. I use it on big things, like if I've got something I'm very excited about, I will. I will track it in deliveries. Otherwise, when it gets here, it's kind of a 
little surprise for me. Well, I will tell you, I, I don't use it as as much for everything now at my new house as I did at my old house. Um, because the, the way that my driveway is configured in my new house, it's kind of a, a, a it, I don't, I don't even know what you call it. Um, but I now pull right past my front door in order to get into my garage. And at my old house, that was not the case at my old house. I could go days without ever seeing my front door. And so it was much more important for me to put those deliveries into my app and get a notification because there, there could be packages sitting at my front door for days and I'd never see them. And then they would ultimately disappear. You could just open your front door every day, too. That would work. Yeah, you could. But then that then you had to go to the front. I mean, I don't know. Do you go open you can't your front door? You can use an app. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, now, now, does your I, driveway, I also, like, I also curve? Bought a, I've also, yes, it curves. I also bought a fancy ring doorbell to let me know when I had packages, too. So, I mean, yes, you could just open your front door once a day to see what's there. Or you could buy an app and a, and a, and a smart doorbell and solve all these problems for you. Yeah, I'm going to get a ring doorbell once they get home kit support and i don't know when that's ever going to happen yeah they just they just came out with like a newer one that's like not the pro but a step up from their older one that is supposed to be home kit no compatible home kit. it's supposed to be coming in the future but it's not yet yeah they say it's going to be i i i'm not getting sold that bill of goods you tell me when you tell me when it actually is there um but just getting back to your driveway this is kind of important to me uh so your driveway curves is it curve from the right to the left of so like the garage on the left side and then the driveway's on the right side I, I don't know. My house is kind of L-shaped. So when you when you pull in the the dry, the garage is on the the L piece. I'll send you a picture of it, David. Yeah, I'm just thinking. It, it sounds a lot like ET's home and uh, oh, that's very Elliot's important. Home, yes, ET, and uh, that that would be uh, you get extra points for that in my book. Okay, well, I'll send you a picture and you can let me know. It's been a while since I looked at ET. Send me a picture. I want to see. All right. Now, uh, my first pick, uh, this is uh, another one. This is one I have mentioned on the show recently. I love it so much. And it is like the penultimate utility for me. It's called Copied. And uh, there are several different applications out there that have these uh, these tools where you can copy text in one place and paste it in another iOS and Mac OS. Now even have a system that works great sometimes where if you copy text on one device, you see it on the other. But Copied is was way better. It, it it keeps a history and it works across all these different platforms. So I can see stuff I copied on my iPad, on my Mac or on my Mac, on my iPhone. And uh, you know, I used to do all of this through Alfred or LaunchBar or whatever launcher of choice I'm using because those guys have clipboard managers too. But uh, uh, upgrading to copied was really great for me. And uh, I find I save time all the time because I remember, hey, I just copied that text 30 minutes ago for something else. And then I can just go access it in my copy menu, hit command C uh, to put it back into the buffer and then command V to paste it wherever I want. It's super useful. Now, will this also sync your clipboards back and forth between your Mac and your iPhone? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, so- it, it syncs the copied clipboard. Right, right, right. Yeah. But so that was something- uh, on iOS. They have they have a um, they have a separate keyboard if you want. So you can actually have a key an iOS keyboard with your most recently pasted things. They have you know every way you want to access the stuff on iOS. They've given you to access it. They the developer has been uh, really on top of things in terms of trying to make it convenient on iOS, which isn't always that convenient for these types of utilities. All right. So my next pick. Uh, is going to be Nomo Robo. I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, Nomo Robo. 
I am just plagued by robocalls. I'm, you're getting these all the time, too, I would imagine, right? You know, where you just call and they want to sell you a timeshare or vacation rental or health insurance or something like that. Yeah, I'm getting more of them. Uh, I, one of the things I do is if I don't recognize a number, I usually don't answer the phone. So and a lot of those people don't leave messages because I think that violates a law somewhere. I find that a lot of these spammers just don't care. But I, I was getting – so I have found that these robocallers are getting smarter. So I used to never answer the phone if it was a um, if it was a call from, you know, out of the area and I didn't recognize it, then I would just never answer the phone. I figured if it was important, they'll, they'll leave me a message or whatever. But now what they're doing is they're spoofing a number that is very similar to your number. So if your phone number starts in 123 – um, and ends in four, five, six, seven, then they'll spoof the number to make it look like it's coming from one, two, three, six, seven, four, five. And you look at that and you're like, huh, that looks like a very familiar number. I, I must just not have them in my contacts. I must know who that is. And it's not real. They've just, they've just, they know what your number is. So they're spoofing a number that's very similar to yours. And it's, and it may in fact actually be some poor innocent person's number that they're just having to spoof for the purpose of your call because they found out that you're much more likely to actually pick up a call um, if it looks familiar. Um, so no, I, I tried Haya and I still have that on my phone. I'll talk about that in a few minutes, but um Nomo Robo is subscription-based. Um, I ended up liking it better. It doesn't require you to to send your address book up to them. It's 20 bucks a year, um, which is not bad if it, if, if it really works for you. And although it is not perfect, none of these are perfect, um, it has worked better for me than any of these other ones that I've tried. Um, the, you can either have the option to either identify the caller as a robocaller or just to block them completely and and send them to your voicemail. Now, unfortunately, it doesn't do such a good job with those spoofed numbers because it can't block those and they talk in their FAQ about why they can't do that. Um, but they have done a pretty decent job of um, at least identifying them as spoofed numbers. So so that's at least what I've had it do for me. And it, um, it, it seems to help. Um, it... I'm getting a lot of robocalls, but at least they're, you know, at least they're being identified and I'm not having to worry about it anymore. Now, now on the website, it says $2 a month. Is that how you, is there a, a separate way to pay $20 a year? I, I think you have the option of either paying 20 bucks a year or $2 a month. All right. Well, I'd like to talk about some of my text apps. <laughs> so, of course you would. I would, of course. Uh, the one I, the one that just got updated that I really like, I'm going to write this up on Max Sparky as soon as I get some time, is Text Tool 2. Uh, Text Tool is an app I've had for a long time. It reminds me of, you know, the soap, the app on the Mac called Text Soap, uh, which we've talked about in the show several times over the years. Would, uh, you know, when you get a, a block of text and they've got like an extra carriage return, um, in every line, or it's got no carriage returns between paragraphs, or, you know, there's all these different weird things that happen with text, or maybe it's the case is wrong. It's all uppercase and you want to change it to lowercase. Um, you know, there's all these little things you want to do to text that if you did by hand would take forever. Um, but, you know, if you had an app that could go through and just work with the text, I think this is really probably behind the hood, a big regular expressions machine that just puts a pretty face on it and does this for you. I'm sure that's part of it. But it's called Text Tool. 
so text tool two is out now. It's four ninety nine. It can add and remove list markers. It can affix text. It can change case. It can uh, deduplicate lines. It can indent or outdent lines, join lines, split text. I mean, just about everything you want to do with text, you can do with it. So uh, whenever I get something off the internet that I want to use, or somebody sends me text that's been formatted funny, I just open text tool two on my iPad and fix it right up. It's a it's a great little tool to have in your belt if you spend a lot of time writing words. And I think especially for someone like you who does a lot of writing specifically on the iPad. So I um, alluded to this one earlier and I still keep it on my phone. And although Nomo Robo has been my preferred choice for blocking robo calls, I still keep Haya on my phone. Um, that's H-I-Y-A. So Haya was the app that I was using before to block robocalls. They do have a free model, which I know is appealing to people. The downside to Haya um, is that they do require you to upload your phone book to them. So mm, take that with a grain of salt. Uh, hopefully they're not using it for any nefarious purposes, but once you upload your phone book to them, you you can't get it back. The, the reason that I still keep Haya on my phone is because what it has in addition to that Nomo Robo doesn't have, um, is it has a fairly good call identification feature. So if you get a call from somebody um, and you're curious what that is, you can put the number or copy and paste the number into Haya and it will pull up from its database and you'll get reports from other users as to who this was who actually called you. So for example, um, I don't know why, but Apple seems to be randomly calling customers to confirm orders. And I don't remember what I ordered from the Apple store, but it was a it was a pretty benign order. It wasn't anything super expensive. Um, you know, I ordered something from the Apple store the other day. And like a day later, I got a call from, I think it was an Austin, Texas number, was not identified as Apple. It was not the 1-800-MY-APPLE. And they were just calling to confirm my order. I was like, this this just seems very bizarre. Are they, they trying to... You know, I understand maybe if I had ordered a, a MacBook Pro or something, but just for a run-of-the-mill, you know, this was probably a fifty. I think it was an adapter, a fifty-dollar or less yeah, like order. Yeah, it's a dongle or something. I, I've I've had that happen to me as well. Yeah, and and sometimes I think I didn't answer the phone. And I think they let it slide because it was a, a small order. But I think sometimes if you don't, they'll cancel the order if they can't verify it. Um, but I was able to check Haya and see, oh, this was a call from Apple. Okay, interesting. Yeah, you know, the whole thing with giving them the address book, I feel like probably Haya is probably a company that is not going to be publishing that, but you always wonder, well, what happens if they run out of money and somebody buys them? You know, that, that data is now an asset, uh, whether you like it or not. I, I mean, I haven't read their terms of service. Maybe there's something in there saying they'll delete it, but I can't imagine there is. It's a little scary, but you need that to make an adequate whitelist. I mean, how do you know who your friends are if you don't tell them? Well, do you remember that company that, um, like, Unroll Me, that ended up selling a bunch of data? Yes, I remember that company. Um, all right. Well, uh, I, I'd like to go to another text tool uh, that I like. Um, this one is uh, solves the problem. Have you ever been uh, maybe in a library or looking at a magazine and there's some text there that you want to use? This is great for lawyers. Like if you're reading a case and you have an extra in the library and they have books with paper, they still do that. And you're like, oh, I want to get the paragraph there and quote the judge's language in my brief. And so you could sit there and you could just type it in 
Uh, you could dictate it, or you could use an app from Abby, of course, Abby, uh, called Text Grabber. And it's one word uh, with camel case, Text Grabber. And it's five bucks, and it uses the camera in your phone or your iPad, and you just point it at a page, at a printed page. And then you take a picture, and then you can crop the picture to exactly what text you want transcribed, and it transcribes it for you. And it does a really good job of it. And uh, uh, I don't use it every day, but I do occasionally run into a need for that app, and I love having it in my utilities folder to, uh, to take text and just automatically type it up for me. So I'm going to go with a more editing um, app, and that is Pinpoint. Pinpoint is the app that was formerly Marco Arment's Bugshot. Um, somebody bought it from him and turned it into Pinpoint. And it is a, a markup app for screenshots or really anything else. If you take screenshots or if you take photos, um, these may be apps that have gotten a little bit Sherlocked by iOS 11, but iOS 11 is not out yet. So if you need to grab a quick screenshot of something, or if you want to be able to annotate it or point something out or highlight something, um, pinpoint is a great one to use for that. I do this all the time when I'm taking a screenshot and then posting it on Twitter and then want to highlight something. I'll do that with pinpoint. This episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you in part by Text Expander. You can communicate smarter with Text Expander. Find out more by heading over to textexpander.com/mpu. You all know that Text Expander is one of my must-have utilities both on Mac and iOS. And that is because you can use Text Expander to power through repetitive communication. Text Expander allows you to standardize and improve written replies that you use every day. It can bring order to your meeting notes with a fillable template. Let's say you receive a request for the same information over and over again. Well, why don't you just create a customizable template for that once and then use it every single time you need it. And if you have a moment of brilliance where you just type out the most amazing email you've ever made in your life, turn that into a text expander template because you'll be able to then recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. And if you use text expander for teams, you can use the entire power of your team and draw upon that collected knowledge to save your favorite templates and summon them with just a few letters and a hotkey. Using text expanders for teams allows you to share your snippets with others and make everyone in your group more productive. How much time do you spend in a typical day typing the same email address, the same physical address, the same phone number, the same chunk of text, the same catchphrase, the same boilerplate, directions to your home or office, or any of those things over and over again. Those are all candidates for things that you should use for Text Expander. And the beauty about Text Expander is once you've created all these amazing snippets, you can use them just about anywhere you'd like. That's because the new Text Expander is available on your Mac, it's available on your iPhone, and it's also available on your Windows PC. Yes, you can now use Text Expander at work. So learn more about all the creative ways that you can use Text Expander and start a 30-day free trial by heading over to textexpander.com/mpu and start communicating smarter with Text Expander. All right, I've got another app like that. I think I may come back to that later, but the uh the one I'd like to talk about now is uh I don't know, I, I just love it as a Mac guy, Mac Tracker. Are you familiar with this app? I'm familiar with the website Mac Tracker. I assume the app does the same thing. Yeah, it's a uh, it's just a it's an app uh, 
And you know, I guess in hindsight, maybe this belongs in my learn category, but I use it kind of like a utility. Uh, we get email all the time from listeners that are talking about some Mac they have that's how old it is and they want to upgrade the hard drive or something. They may have some question and, and I can't be tech support to everybody, but you know, a lot of times if they have a simple question and I can look it up for them, I will. And I use Mac tracker. So like, if they want to know, can they put more Ram in their machine? Uh, Mac tracker has all that type of information. Every time Apple releases any new hardware, uh, they put all the specs in it. Uh, they, I like looking back at the older stuff, you know, going back to the old days, looking at, you know, some of the stuff I had at the beginning. And, um, so it's a little bit nostalgic, but it's also a handy utility for me. I, I can't help, help, but feel like Stephen Hackett, like has that on his home screen. It's probably in his dock. Yeah, no, Mac Tracker's Mac Tracker's a good one, especially if you want to be able to to look up that information. I've I've pulled it up on the web. I don't think I have it on my my iPhone, but I use it as a resource on the web quite a bit. So that's a good one. So the other one that I want to pick in my categories of annotation apps is another one uh, called Annotatable. Uh, it has kind of the same but a different feature set um, from from the from the Bugshot app. I guess uh, it's not called Bugshot anymore. It's, it's called um, uh, pinpoint, but annotatable is also another one of these screenshot annotation apps. I don't know why I ended up with both on my in my utilities folder, but I tend to to use both here and there. And again, I'm concerned that these apps may have gotten to Sherlock a little bit with iOS 11, but a little, uh, a little no, bit. They're totally Sherlock. You think they're totally Sherlock? I still want to give them love. We got time. Yeah, and just if you're listening in iOS 11 now, when you take a screenshot. Uh, the screenshot immediately appears as a little thumbnail in the lower left corner of your of your iPad or your iPhone. And all you can do, you tap on it, and then it opens it up and has a bunch of annotation tools in the sharing button. So uh, it's very useful for quick uh, sending a quick screenshot. I mean, this is something only Apple could do because it's built into the operating system. But the idea of take the screenshot and then tap one button because it's right there in the lower left corner to open up the open up the image and do whatever you need to do with it and send it off. And then when you're done, you even have the ability to delete the image right after you send it. Because so often these screenshots are taken just for the purpose of giving some kind of information to the other person. You don't necessarily want to keep it in your photo library. Um, so uh, this is uh, very much Sherlocked. Although I would say that, you know, like um, Annotable has some cool features like the ability to like grab uh, a portion of the screen and zoom it up. And there's some stuff you can do with Annotable. It's got more power than the built-in feature. I like how but, it can uh, blur out things. Yeah, so that's another example. But you know, but for 99% of what I do, the built-in feature is going to be just fine. So that one is uh, that one is definitely on maybe on the shopping block, the the Aww. Sherlock block. Mm. Just remember, they were they were there for you before Apple was. Yeah, yeah, remember. And, and hopefully they can find, you know, sometimes third-party apps can find a, um, they can find space because they go in and, you know, they add additional features. I mean, Text Expander is a great example of that. I mean, there is text replacement built into both iOS and macOS, but they can't do all the features that Text Expander can do. And that's given them, you know, that's given them space to exist. So that I guess that's the trick. If Apple starts nosing into your territory, you always know they're never going to go as deep as someone who's dedicated to the app. 
I noticed on my list I missed a couple text-related tools, so <laughs> I'm going to continue with that. We're going to um, do a whole show on David's text-related tools at some no, point. No, I'm, I'm knocking them out. When I'm done with this list, you're going to have the, the big ones. Uh, but there's one that I, I really love, uh, and it's not really for working with text as much as uh, displaying fonts on your iOS devices. It's called AnyFont, A-N-Y-F-O-N-T. And it provides you a mechanism to load any font you want on your iOS device, which isn't necessarily easy. Um, this is really useful for me because like I, I like to use Futura, but I, I have a I bought a, a very nice version of the font and I want to use it like in presentations and even some documents. And uh, it's it's not a built-in app on iOS. There's a version of Futura, but it's not very good compared to the one I like. So I can load it on. And like if I buy, you know, some of those... Uh, uh, what is it? Comic book fonts, you know, that are on sale every year on January 1th. I bought several of those over the years and I've loaded those on my iOS devices as well. So it's really nice. If I work on a presentation now on on Mac and then I go give the presentation off my iPad, it's still got the great fonts that I had. Um, it's a little bit of um, kind of messy to load the fonts. You you install them and then you authorize them. It's it's kind of a weird process, but it works. And at the end of the day, you get whatever fonts you want on your uh, local devices. Have you ever loaded any uh, particular fonts on your devices or you just use the built-ins? No, I just use all the built-ins. Any font will take care of it if you want. Did you ever, like, uh, when you started your firm, did you give thought to, like, what is my font for, like, my letters and pleadings and things like that? I did. It is Freight. Okay. It is Freight Book and Freight Display. I'm not familiar with that font. Yeah. Um, I, I chose it. Um, our, our good friend, Forgotten Towel, uh, helped me choose it. We, we chose it in part because it was in the Squarespace font, so I knew it would look good on my website. Um, and we chose it because it had both a nice serif and a nice sans serif. So it would look good for lots of stuff. So, yes. But you haven't loaded them on your iPads. I have not, no. I guess I should, but no, I have a, I have a, I have a whole design package taking care of me. looks good. All right. Good. All right. So I'm going to pick one more kind of in my category uh, and that is called screenshot. And so here, here's what I do. If I have something on iOS that I want to call out, what I'll do is I'll take a screenshot of it and then I'll usually mark it up using either um, annotatable or, or pinpoint and, you know, call out whatever I'm going to call, call attention to something. And then I will use the Screenshot app. And it's an app, and I know there's a lot of stuff called Screenshot in the App Store. I'll put a link to the one that I use in the show notes. And what that does is it will take and it will put a, um, a drawing, a representation of either an iPhone or an iPad around the screenshot. So it's just a nice way of adding a an iPhone or an iPad to your screenshot because normally when you take a screenshot, it's just, you know, the square screenshot. So especially if you're going to post something to social media or if you're going to post it to your blog, it's a way of really finishing it off, I think. And you can choose like a light iPhone or a dark iPhone or a light iPad or a dark iPad or whatever you want to do. Um, and you can do this all together. It will sync up with Dropbox or you can mail the screenshot, you know, to mail or however you want to do it. Um, share it however you want to share it. And then boom, you're done. So I've had people ask me when I post screenshots of things to Twitter, you know, how, how did you make it look like that? Because usually I call something out and it's got like a nice um, iPhone screen on it. And that's how I do it. I use I use screenshot and then I use one at either annotatable or pinpoint um, to do the call outs. Nice. I like that. Uh, somewhat related is um, in the Apple developer program, they have images of the devices, just outlines of them that you can download. So if you're a developer, you can download all that stuff. 
And I keep those images for when I give presentations. So I can have a keynote slide. I can drop on an image of an iPad or a phone, and then I can drop the screenshots on top of that. And that looks really nice in front of an audience. Yeah. See, I just use the screenshot app. I, your, your way might make sense if you're doing presentations. This makes a lot of sense if you're just doing one-off things. All right. So now I'm really digging hard for text-related tools on my list. <laughs> and of course I, you are. I found one more. Uh, this is one that helps me write text. Um, and yeah, we, we haven't talked much on the show about the third-party keyboards. That's something everybody wanted on these devices um, for years. And once we got them on there, uh, I just don't hear many people talking about it. I think part of it is the goofy way that you add them. Uh, to add a third-party keyboard, you have to go, I think it's general, and then you have to go down to um, a keyboard, and then you can add third-party keyboards. Uh, and one of them that I like, um, there's several that I use, um, it, but one of them I really like is Google's third-party keyboard, the Gboard. And uh, the reason I like it is is uh, Google Google does a good job with the keyboard. They have the the swishing, you know, the swiping thing, if you want, where you can swipe around and, and it'll put the words in, which is kind of fun. And it always gives me a way to kind of compare Google um, Google voice transcription to Siri because they they do the transcription in, in the Gboard. And over the last few months, it's I've noticed that it's got better. So uh, it's kind of fun having uh, the Google keyboard on your device once in a while if you want to add text. Um, I, I guess while we're down this rabbit hole, what third-party keyboards are you using on your phone? The only one I'm using is Text Expander. Yeah, that, that the other two I'm using are Text Expander and uh, Copied. I, I do have the Copied keyboard, uh, keyboard, which allows me, which I use when I'm collecting a bunch of text snippets from different places, and I want to just start dumping them into a document. It makes it very easy if you have that keyboard enabled. All right, so I guess it's my turn. Um, I let's see. Let me find another one. Um, Calendar Paste is is one that that I still use quite a bit. Calendar Paste is is like uh, templates for your calendars. So what Calendar Paste allows you to do is if you um, have something like, let's say it's an event on your calendar, but it's not a recurring event. It's just something that happens frequently and it's got a location or you've got notes or um, you, you've got specific instructions. What Calendar Paste allows you to do is basically set up templates for calendar entries. And then when you go into calendar paste, you click on the template that you want. And then all you do is set the date and time of your calendar entry. And that calendar entry will be pre-populated with all of the information that you've already saved. So for example, whenever David and I have a guest on Mac Power Users, I've created a calendar template entry that is for an hour and a half. It's for Mac Power users. And in the notes description, it has all the information about connecting on Skype and recording your audio and, and doing all of those types of things. So um, whenever we have a guest on the show, I share that. I typically add that calendar entry to the calendar whenever we decide to record and then add that guest as a guest, an invitee to that calendar event. And then boom, they've got all the information that they need. Um, you can also do this for perhaps setting certain types of lunch appointments or client appointments or anything like that. And then just add people as invitees or whatever you need to do. So it, again, I think think of it as templates for calendars. Yeah, it's great. And it's only two bucks. They're up to version three. I was just noticing the, the last update was October 27 of 2016. It's been a while. But I think that's just because it's it's solid. The app is solid. 
Yeah, I, I use this one all the time as well. Like you can even use it like if you go to the gym, but you don't go the same time every week, you can you can put a template in there. So when you schedule your gym appointment, you press one or two buttons and the event is created very fast. All right. What's your next one? Okay, hold on a second. I was just uh, looking at calendar pace on my phone, looking at something I need to add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right. Last, you know what? I guess I should mention this in content editorial, but, you know, Text Expander has been a sponsor of the show for a long time, but that's really a great utility. I mean, I uh, I use it all the time. I, I think when Text Expander first came out, uh, on iOS and they had their keyboard, uh, it got a bad rap with some people uh, because it was the first time they'd made a keyboard. Keyboards got a lot better if you haven't tried it lately. And the ability to have text expansion with text expander type power on your phone or your iPad is just awesome. I was just yesterday, I was I was out and somebody uh, wanted me to set a conference call. And so I went into the text expander app and inside the app, I ran the text expander snippet that gives the telephone number and the access code and everything for a conference call. And and just within seconds on an iOS device, I had sent out to four people conference call information. And doing that without Text Expander would have been really difficult. So it's another utility I use every day. And they are a sponsor. So full disclosure. Yeah, like I said a minute ago, the, the Text Expander keyboard is the only keyboard that, that I have installed on my, my iOS devices. And part of that is because I use Text Expander for so many things. In fact, I, I won't go on and on because I believe they actually are a sponsor of this episode, um, that it gives you access to your Text Expander shortcuts and even apps that don't support X Expander. My big one is Mail. Um, I guess it's guess it's my turn again. Um, the other one that that I use quite a bit, uh, we may have talked about this before. It's Glimpse. Have you have you ever used Glimpse? Yeah. Um, so Glimpse is for when maybe you're traveling or um, you're you're. I, I use it most often when I'm traveling. It allows you to give someone or sets of someone's um, short-term access to your location. So I know, David, you you use Find My Friends with your family quite a bit. But if, if maybe you're traveling with people and you're going to meet people or maybe you don't have people that you always want to have access to your location, what Glimpse will allow you to do is to share your location with people but maybe for only a specific duration, uh, maybe for two hours, maybe for four hours, or maybe until you reach a specific location. So, and it does it very nicely. It sends them a text message. It says, hey, you can track my progress using Glimpse. They can either download the app and do it, or they can do it web-based. Um, I used it when uh, we were traveling up to Atlanta to visit my uncle. And he got a little obsessed about it and was checking our glimpse status, like, I think every 30 seconds. And we made one wrong turn. And we knew as soon as we made the turn, we'd made the wrong turn. We just got in the wrong turn lane and got stuck there. And, <laughs> called you, right? <laughs> and within seconds of us making the wrong turn, our phone was ringing. And I was like, Joe, we know. It's fine. He's like, you just made a wrong turn. I'm like, we got it. We got it. You know, so it sounds to me like there's um, some stalker uh, potential in the in the Floyd family. <laughs> uh, yeah, there is there is stalker potential, but I I use it quite a bit when I'm traveling. You know, if I want just base, you know, instead of because some yeah, you know, I just I I really hate yo call us when you get there, make sure you're safe, and you know I understand that, but you know here, just just here here's here's when I got there. Oh, I shared I did uh, on Find Friends. I just shared a location with one of my sisters just because she just wanted. I'm like, okay, I don't care. And one day I was in the Apple store picking up a cable and uh, 
Oh, no. For a dongle or something. And she called me. She's like, what are you doing in the Apple store? <laughs> like, what are you doing with your free time? Because why do you care? <laughs> um, I, I think that's a good uh, service, a glimpse, because because you have the idea, uh, you have the ability with Find Friends to grant temporary access to location. But the nice thing about Glimpse is the, you know, the other person doesn't have to understand how to use Find Friends. Like your uncle probably doesn't know or maybe even have an iPhone, does he? I mean, I don't know. I think so it's this, inter- this would be my uncle that you met at Macworld years ago. So yeah, he does. Oh but yeah, still. of course yeah. he has an iPhone. But uh, the um, but I believe Glimpse works cross-platform. Yeah, don't they it even does. have it access does. on Android and stuff? So, so it kind of goes deeper. Um, I do, uh, I think I'm one of the only people I know that does this, but I frequently give temporary access to friends. Um, uh, it's really easy to do in the Find Friends app. If, if we're meeting up with somebody at Disneyland or going to the beach or whatever, I'll give them access for the day. And once in a while that comes in handy, but, uh, I don't think that's used as much as Apple would like it to be. Well, and it's, it's not quite as granular, the, um, the short-term access that you can give and find my friends. Cause isn't that like for a day? Yeah. Yeah. You can't say like for two hours. I think you can say to the end of the day. Yeah. Right. Or, or like if it's a conference or something, sometimes I'll just grant, I think I did this for you once I gave you permanent access, but then when the conference ended, I just, I cut you off. Well, and you have to remember to do that. One other power tip for find friends is, you can set alarms uh, when someone gets somewhere to leave somewhere. And if you have kids, this is really great. Like my daughter, I mean, she's 20. She goes up to LA once in a while and goes to a comedy club or something. So uh, if she's coming home late, I will set an alarm when she leaves. Not that I'm really tracking her so much as I just want to know when she gets on the road. So I have a decent idea when to expect her home. And uh, that's kind of nice. Yeah. Now, does she know when you've set an alarm for when she's left a certain area or gotten back? Yeah. I mean, it's just a safety thing. I don't, I mean, I honestly don't fault track her that closely, but I just want to know, you know, it's the roads can be dangerous at night. And I just want to know she's on the way. And uh, that's a good way to tell. All right. Uh, I guess my next one would be an app that uh, I, I I started using recently and I, I kind of like it. I think this is considered a utility linky. And um uh, it's just a really simple app for posting things to Twitter and Facebook. Like I'm uh, in my family, I've started to use Facebook a little. We've got this big group now for Mac Power users. We've also got one for free agents, and so I just wanted to find a way to make it easier to 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 link and share some things. And quite often, there's overlap for me with um, with Twitter. So Linky does that. It lets you share web pages and images uh, to Twitter and Facebook from your phone, and it just takes all the work out of it it's it's very much utility so to, i'm i'm not getting what it, what does it do as opposed to just the share sheet well it can do both at once uh you can take shots of uh text if you want it it adds shortening if you want it's, it's like we were talking about earlier it's the built-in feature plus this episode of the mac power users is brought to you by one password Use 1Password for families to get the 1Password manager that's ideal for your whole household. And don't forget to get the discount by going to onepasswordcom MPU in all caps. I recently received an email from a 1Password listener that had just switched his family to 1Password for families and he was singing his praises and I couldn't agree more. 1Password for Families is a relatively new product from 1Password. I signed up for it when it first came out last year. 
With 1Password for Families, you get unlimited passwords, credit cards, secure notes, and more, and one gigabyte of document storage, and the award-winning apps for all the platforms they cover, Mac, iOS, Windows, and even Android. So no matter what platforms the people in your family are using, they can have secure passwords. Before we signed up for 1Password, sharing passwords was always a pain in the neck. Even though we had the 1Password system, if I wanted to give my wife the bank password, for instance, I couldn't just text message it to her. Uh, it was just really complicated. But now we have these shared vaults where we can make changes and adjustments, and they get driven down to every person subscribed to that particular vault. It's also nice because we can divvy up what things go in what vaults. Like my daughters don't get the bank uh, password, but they do get the next. Netflix password. And you can do all of that very easily. Uh, another thing I like about 1Password for Families is I feel like it's building security habits for my children. As they're growing older, they need to understand this stuff. Too many of their friends don't have good password habits, and I like the fact that my kids do. I think that's going to be even more important as they grow up. So what do you get when you sign up? With 1Password for Families, you get protection for your whole family. You get the 1Password on the go system where you can sign into your account and view items through the web browser. The software is always kept up to date. You don't have to pay for upgrades. Uh, you get all their applications and you get the one gigabyte of secure document storage, which is really kind of nice. Like I've put some of my estate planning documents and some other things in there that I just want to have safely in the cloud. And I'm very comfortable doing that with 1Password. So why don't you join me and some of the other Mac Power users, listeners, and get your family on a 1Password for Families account. To learn more, head over to onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps, and they'll give you a discount. Now, don't forget that because several times now I've heard from listeners that paid full price because they didn't go to that special link. So one last time, that's onepasswordcom slash MPU in all caps, and start enjoying safe internet security with your family today. I um I want to pick one that we might have a little discussion over, and that is if this then that. Now we are probably going to do an entire show on if this then that at some point, but I use the if this then that app on iOS quite a bit. Um, I use it to create if this then that um, applets, but uh, if this then that also has a feature where you can pick a couple of applets and turn them into like home screen icons or put them as widgets on your home screen. So I not only use the If This Then That app as an interface into the If This Then That platform, and also having the app on your phone gives you access to more features like um, being able to use your iPhone for location or being able to tap into contacts or things like that uh, and photos. There's certain data that they just don't have access to, but if you put the app on, they get Right. So that in and of itself is a is a great reason to have access to the If This Then That app on your iPhone. Um, but the other thing that I use it for quite a bit is creating these, these little applets. And um, one of the things that I've created and kept as a widget um, in my launch screen, and I've actually made it as a home screen on my, on my, in my utilities folders, is I've created a widget, and I think it's one of their default ones, called Get Yourself Out of an Awkward Situation. Yeah, you talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Well, I think you and I talked about it offline. Um, I don't think we talked about it on the show. Um, uh, it all blurs for me, Katie. It does. So tell me about this. What, I think it's a great idea. What it will. So one of the things that if this, then that can do is it can call you. And so what it will do is when you push this button, the if this, then that service, which is just a computer somewhere, um, will, will call your cell phone. 
And the beauty of that is if you're in a situation where you need to leave or you need to excuse yourself or you just really don't want to talk to this person anymore, you somehow discreetly push the widget or push the button on your phone and all of a sudden, make sure, make sure your phone's not on vibrate, um, and all of a sudden your phone will start to ring because you're now getting a call from if this, then that. And you can, it kind of sounds a little robotic-y, but you can even program it to say stuff. So make sure the person's not standing so close to you. So I've got mine programmed to just say a paragraph or so of text. So it sounds like somebody's talking to me and then you can yeah. go, uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> okay, yep, all right, I'll be right there. All right, thanks, bye-bye. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And um, so that's, that's what I'd be like, I am so sorry, I just got a call, I've, I've, I've got to go. So it was How often do you use that? Probably more often than I should. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have a, Daisy and I have the secret code. Uh, when we go to parties, if I ever compliment her earrings, that means I want to go now. That's, yeah. I'd say, oh, those are really nice earrings. Or are those earrings? Like, anything involving earrings means get me out of here. And uh, but, but then she could just screw with you and be like, yes, they are. Thank you. Yeah, she could, I guess. <laughs> but <laughs> she's usually pretty cooperative. The funny thing, though, is there is no secret code going the other direction because she is never the one that wants to leave first. We don't even have a code for her. <laughs> um. But, but I like the idea of an app, of course, if this, that, well, there's so much you can do with if this, this, then that. I think we'll make this kind of a joint pick or oh, this is yours, but I'll just pile on a little bit. Uh, one of the things I think they've done really good with their iOS strategy is they've got these kind of utility apps that that find different ways to plug into the system. And they've also done a really good job, if you go into the app on the iPhone, of giving you sample workflows. And I think this is really the key. Now, if you've never done if this, then that before, Go on and just look at some of the sample ones, because once you give them access to a few different, you know, hooks in your life, they can say, OK, with this kind of information, this is the kind of stuff I could do for you. Like if you post something to Twitter, I could copy it to Facebook or, you know, just just kind of take a look at the samples. And usually you'll find something in there that that piques your interest. And then once you see how easy it was, then maybe you can start building your own it, like everything. Uh, it's an understanding of the depth of the tool that allows you to really maximize its use. Yeah. And I use the If This Then That app on the phone all the time to create and to trigger location-based workflows because my phone is almost always with me wherever I go. And so with the If This Then That app on your phone, and you do have to make sure it's open in the background, which it usually is for me, um, you can use it to trigger certain workflows that are location-based. So for example, um, I've got a workflow that when I arrive, because right now the Belkin Wemo um, things are not yet HomeKit compatible, although supposedly it's coming later this summer. I'm like, hello, it's almost September. How much later are we going to get? But um, so what I will do is you can control the Belkin Wemos through if this, then that. So I've got a workflow set up that when I get within a certain radius of home, um, certain Wemos on my house turn on or turn off. And it's not 100% foolproof um, because the app does have to be running in the background. But but I would say it's it's probably more than 80%, probably more than 90% accurate. So it's it's certainly better than nothing. And you can also have it do things like create a Google spreadsheet based on your location and where you go and where you come. So some people even have, have created things like for tracking mileage or doing those types of things. Uh, I use a, I use a similar if this the network flow to turn on some some lights, you know, some hue lights. And, you know, that gets me to the same old problem. Is the switch on or not? But but I'm working on that. We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. We've got a guest coming up. That you can now do with HomeKit. That's true. You can, but I've set, I've had this set up for so long. I hadn't thought about that, but you're right. HomeKit, HomeKit knows your location now, so you can do it with HomeKit as well. 
I, I really am interested in making a go at HomeKit in the next year, you know, like putting the cameras on home, just, just going a hundred percent in with HomeKit, but they're still missing devices. You know, there really isn't a good camera solution for HomeKit yet. And there's very few solutions for, for some of the categories of things that I'm interested in. So uh, hopefully that gets better. Apple announced in June that they're simplifying the HomeKit approval process and they're allowing you to do it in software instead of just hardware, which I think hopefully will open the gates for, for more HomeKit devices. I'll tell you, David, there, I was just thinking about this because, you know, the Chamberlain MyQ, which in of itself could be a utility pick, um, which is the device that will connect to your garage door and allow you to manually or to automatically open and close your garage door using your, your iPhone. Um, or I guess I shouldn't say automatically. It will allow you to open and close your garage door using your iPhone. Um, you know, it just announced HomeKit compatibility. And of course, it's an add-on kit. So you have to spend an extra, you know, 50 bucks to get the add-on kit, which is not that big deal. Uh, you know, I guess when you think about it, that the thing itself was only a hundred bucks, you're, you're basically paying for half of it again to get HomeKit compatibility, but that's not the, the end of the world. But I was getting ready to buy this and it's on, it's on pre-order right now. And, you know, it's, it's in and out of stock. And I just kept thinking about it. I'm sure I will buy it eventually, but why do I need my garage door open to HomeKit? I, my garage door is something that I'm never going to want to open and maybe close automatically, but I'm not sure that I'm going to trust that. I'm never going to want my garage door to open automatically just because I don't want access to my house potentially to be, you know, even if it's HomeKit, to be automatically opening and closing and doing those types of things. Yeah, I, I, I'm not necessarily looking at for control, but just having one app or one place that I can go to get all this information. Um uh, for our camera, we have two of those Canary devices for cameras in the house, and they have worked really well. I mean, it's a great device. It has uh, sensors in it, so it can tell you the temperature and the humidity in the house. It's got a camera. It's got, it knows who the members of our family are, and based on our iPhones being, it, it keeps track of that. I can, uh, it, when we're on vacation, if someone comes in the house, like we had people coming over to like take care of the plants and a few things, I would get a notification every time they came in. And one of the nice things about the canary that is not in most of these security cameras is it's got a ear piercing alarm. So I can just, um, I can just go crazy. Yeah. I know a lot of people like the canaries, but we're hoping that it would be HomeKit compatible and it's not yet, but anyway, we digress. Although I guess technically HomeKit could be an iOS utility. So maybe we're not that far off topic. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's get back on track. I think I it's think your it's pick. My, yeah. Yeah. I think it is my pick. Um, uh, the uh, I think this is a utility, and it's something that I've really uh, appreciated over the last, I guess, seven, eight months since I started buying these things, is these trackers. T-R-A-C-K-R, capital R. Is this, a, is this a utility? Tell me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I'll go for it. I'll allow it. Uh, so it's a little thing. It's about the size of a quarter. It's got a little battery in it and a Bluetooth radio, and it, it links with your phone, and it checks in with your phone. And it also has the ability to check in with other trackers that are out in the world. So I like I taped one to the bottom of my bicycle seat. I've got one in all my my computer bags, you know, inside. I've got one of my my uh, my keys, and I can uh, see where my stuff is anywhere in the world very easily. So it's like adding a little GPS to all my devices, and they're not that expensive. I don't quote me on this. I think. I paid like 60 or 70 bucks and they gave me like 10 of them when I first bought. They had a deal or something. I think that's I just... a special deal. I think they're closer to about 25 bucks a piece now. 20, 25. Okay. Well, I don't, 
I don't know how, you know, I, it's been a while, but I, they weren't, they weren't overly expensive and they were super cheap when you bought a pack of 10 when I bought them. And so I, I put them in my kids' bags and I've got these things spread out all over the place. I don't need it that often, but I go check in on it once in a while and it's still working great. And uh, what really led me to get it was my bike is pretty nice. Um, and uh, if you, we talked about that on the members only show. We did, we did. Yeah. But anyway, my bike's pretty nice. And if someone steals it, it would really, you know, it would really suck. So uh, now that I have this track runner, I think I'd be able to to send law enforcement, send send the police after them. But the, uh, it, you know, it wasn't that expensive. And it's just a very simple way uh, to use technology to track your stuff. And uh, you can also use it to set off an alarm on your phone, or you can set off an alarm in the tracker. So if you want, if you can't find your keys, that's another advantage. You push a button on your phone and your keys beep. So I have not used Tracker. I'm glad to hear that you've had a good experience with them. I have, um, I've heard some people who have had some more mixed reviews with them. I have always used the tiles. Um, I, I don't put them everywhere. I, I have, I put one in my purse because I, I did have a situation where I accidentally left my purse in the office and forgot about it. And I would put one in my wallet, except I have a very small wallet. So I might get one of those, those thin wallet ones for it at some point. And I've, I got a four pack and then I gave away the other two to other people. And, um, so I use it for limited things. I did put a tracker, um, in my bag when I was traveling and that was nice. Although you can't track it without, um, you know, having a, a, a Bluetooth link to it, it will at least tell you, okay, my bag has made it. It is here somewhere in the baggage terminal. So that is nice to know. Yeah. I, I, I'd like to say I researched them extensively and I didn't. I got an email saying, hey, here's a great deal on trackers. So I bought them. Uh, and, uh, but one of the things I do know about the trackers, they've got the ability where one tracker can talk to another one. So if my bicycle gets stolen and the person takes it to Starbucks and there's another tracker within shouting distance, it will tell the other tracker, which will tell that iPhone and it will report to me the location. I don't know if Tile does that or not. Yeah, they do. Okay, good. Well, either way, I think uh, those technologies are pretty cheap now and quite useful. All right. I guess it's my turn Turn for a pick. Um, I'm, I'm going to pick one that we've, we've talked about before, uh, and that is Cloak. We still get calls all the time, or calls, emails, texts. I don't get calls from people, but um, emails, tweets, and that type of thing from people wanting to know about VPN tools. And um, Cloak is the my VPN app of choice. I use it on my Mac. I use it on my iPhone. I use it on my iPad. Uh, it is a pay service. Most VPN apps are pay services. I like it just because it's easy. It's easy to use. Um, it will automatically activate itself when you wander to a Starbucks or you're otherwise on an unsecured Wi-Fi network. So I never have to worry about turning it off, turning it on, or those types of things. Um, and you can buy an unlimited plan or you can buy just a small bucket of of, of I was going to say minutes, but I guess data. You can buy a small bucket of data uh, depending on what you need. And so that's that's what I use. I use I use Cloak, and I've been been very happy with it. Yeah, we had um, a bunch of listeners write in. They use a Cloak and TunnelBear was the other one. TunnelBear used to be a sponsor of ours years ago, and that's another great option. I um I uh, last year set up, signed up for a, a year subscription of Cloak. Uh, so I kind of took, it cost, I think a hundred dollars, but I knew I was going to be doing a lot of traveling this year. And, um, and I spend, I don't have, you know, I have an office, but I rarely go to it. I, I do spend a lot of time in coffee shops working. Sometimes I just want to get out. 
And I, I just knew I'd use it a lot. So uh, I've been very happy with the subscription model of Cloak. And anytime I want, I can push a button and be on a VPN. It's also nice because, you know, they've got the app on the Mac as well. Once you subscribe, you can use it on all your all your stuff. I think I think VPNs are are a bigger deal now than they've ever been. I agree. You know, we had that whole tinfoil hat episode where we we talked very strongly about the need to have a VPN. Okay, uh, I'd like to talk about uh, this is a utility. I have some of these apps that make background noise for me. Um, uh, you know, kind of on the subject of when I go in a coffee shop and I want to work, but I don't want to listen to two people talk about things. You know. Uh, if you and it's really my fault if I go work in a public place that kind of comes with the territory that you know they're going to be talking about soccer practice or something even more nefarious uh, sitting next to you and it's really distracting so uh, there's a couple apps I use for this um, one is called Coffivity C-O-F-F-I-V-I-T-Y which is weird because all it does is make the sounds of a coffee shop <laughs> you know but, so let me just make this clear you're sitting in a coffee shop you don't want to listen to the sounds of the actual coffee shop you're in, so you turn on an app to make sounds of a coffee shop. Well, well, what it does is if if there's wait, somebody wait, wait. sitting, what? no, I'm just no, I'm just listening to you try to stammer out of this. Okay, no, I'm not trying to stammer out of it at all. It makes sense because the noise is white noise of a coffee shop. It is not two people sitting next to you having a conversation. If two people are sitting next to me talking about something, and my ears are getting distracted by their conversation, and I put this app on, it's like silently removing them from the coffee shop. I'm I'm just covering them up with coffee shop noise. Okay. It works. Believe do, you, me. do you like put headphones on? So everything? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even with the AirPods, it's good enough. Um, the other one I do is uh, I'm going to put two in this one because they're, they're so related. Um, and this is one I bought years and years ago, but uh, I still love it. It's called Relax Melodies. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a goofy app. The UI isn't great, but they've got this huge library of different sounds. If I want sounds of, you know, uh, rain in an urban environment, I can make that. If I want sounds of monks chanting, if I, no matter what sound you want, if you want just plain white noise or brown noise, it can make any kind of noise you want. And I have this app, again, on, the I, on iPhone and also my Mac. And some days, like, I just want a rainstorm as white noise in the background as I'm working. I turn it on. It works great. Family comes home, thinks I'm crazy because we've got a rainstorm coming through the Sono system, but it's all good. All right. Well, I am. I'm not that picky when it comes to my white noise. Although, as we've talked about, I think on on previous shows, I cannot sleep without some kind of white noise. My preference would be to have a fan, like a nice, big, loud box fan. But um, sometimes we don't always have that. So whenever I'm in like a hotel room or if I'm traveling, I always have to have the white noise um, application of some kind on my iPhone going. I don't like rainstorms. I don't like, I, I mean, they're fine, but I I like more of a solid noise. And so I use the white noise app. Um, I tend to like the brown noise, I think is, is the one that I found is, is my preference, but just having a constant, uh, I, I like the more constant noise. So that's the one that I've picked. I think, um, you know, the reason why you don't get that excited about rain is because where you live, you have rain all the time, you know, yeah, that where we, a- I live, we never have rain. So the rain, the, the rain noises are kind of fun. And I, I will tell you, I like, I like sleeping when it's like a nice hard rain on the roof, but I also like having my fan too. 
Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Um, I've got one uh, that I use for for photographs, and uh, I, I've mentioned this one on the show, but it it bears mentioning again. And it really, this isn't a photography app at all. It's a truly utility. It's called Flick, F-L-I-C. And uh, I got this a couple years ago. I just love it for uh, going through and sorting your pictures. Like you go to a a kid's party and you always take too many pictures. It's just, you know, with the iPhone, it's so easy to keep pressing the button. And with Flick, it just shows you each picture you've taken in the month. And you can flick it to the right and keep it or the left and delete it. And you just go through with your thumb, you know, right, left, 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 right, left. And then in a few minutes, you've you've gotten all the junk out of your photos library. And then when you go, you know, and you can do this stuff in photos as well. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I find flick the fastest way. And uh, even like if we're coming home from a family event, my wife's driving, I'll even just go through and sort the images on the on the drive home. Uh, in the car and it's just so fast. I, uh, uh, I like this app. It, it just does a few things, but man, is it easy to, uh, to cull the herd on your pictures. This episode of Mac power users is brought to you in part by gazelle. Gazelle is the online marketplace for buying and selling used gadgets. You can shop from a variety of certified pre-owned electronics or trade in one you have for cash. Give new life to a used device by heading over to gazelle.com. That's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com today. So Gazelle is your trusted online marketplace for buying and selling used electronics. For years, you've known that you've been able to trade in your old devices for cash at Gazelle. You simply visit gazelle.com, tell them a little bit about your device, and you'll get an instant quote. Shipping is free and payment is fast. When I'm selling my used devices, I prefer to use Gazelle because you don't have to worry about all of the hassle that comes with some of these other online marketplaces. You're not haggling over price. You don't having to meet people in back alleys and take your life in your hand. You simply get a box from Gazelle, you slap a label on it, you send it to them, and you get either a check in the mail, a deposit into your PayPal account, or an Amazon gift card. It is that simple. And you can now buy certified pre-owned devices from Gazelle as well. So if you find yourself in need of a new iPhone or a new iPad, simply head over to gazelle.com and tell them what you're looking for. You will find a selection of certified pre-owned devices that are backed by a 30-day return policy and sold without any kind of carrier contract. These are perfect devices for kids or to buy it. Maybe those in-between times when your iPhone or iPad has had a little accident, but you don't want to buy a new one yet because you know there's something better coming right around the corner. And as you know, we're getting into silly season right now with iPhone rumors, and likely a new one's going to be released anytime. Let me tell you, this is a great opportunity to head over to gazelle.com and see what your current phone is worth, because I promise you it will never be worth more than it is today. So head on over to gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, whether you're looking to buy a new device or trade in your old one, Gazelle has got something for you. And thanks, Gazelle, for your continued support of the show. All right. So then the next app I'm going to pick might might be somewhat controversial, um, and that is OneBlocker. So uh, there's this whole discussion of ad blocking and should you do it, should you not? Um, are, are you not supporting, you know, content creators if you're blocking ads, but then have, con- you know, have ads gotten so ridiculous that they're actually hurting your experience, and particularly on iOS? You know, you have slow load times and you're using a lot more data. So um, I do use a content blocker. I've, I've downloaded one blocker. I've tried to go through and consciously whitelist a lot of the sites that I know um, have, have reasonable ads. And I 
think in one blocker, um, there's even an option that I've picked to to basically. I, I don't remember what the what the wording it, they've used in it, but it basically will allow you to to let through, um, you know, ads that are that are not horrible. Um, so. Um, that's something to look at. But, you know, a content blocker, there can definitely be pros and cons of it. The, the downside of it is, you know, obviously there's there's that issue of are you or are you not, you know, properly supporting the developers that you're using. Um, but then the other side of it is, you know, well, you can you can save data, you can save downloads, you can, you know, not see a lot of a lot of ads and a lot of content that's just really gotten out of hand. So those are things to look at. Are you using one or? I'm not. And I think it's because of the way I consume information. Like I use the Apple news app to read news. I don't use the web so much. And I use um, an RSS reader to read blogs. So I'm not spending time going to those kinds of sites. When I use Safari, it's, it's kind of targeted at specific types of information or searches. So I just don't feel like I need it. I um, haven't, you know, when that first started on iOS, I downloaded a couple of them just to try them out. And and sometimes it will block you from seeing stuff you want to see. You know, the Internet's not perfect at figuring out what's good and what's bad. Oh, yeah. And it can it can cause some websites to break. Yeah. So I just I just don't bother with it. So I, I don't know. Maybe it'll get so bad someday that I'll I'll rage download one of these. But uh, I, I don't feel like I particularly need it. Um, okay, for mine, I have one more Mac util um, one more photo utility, and uh, this is one called Exify, E X I F Y, and I think it was a um, oh, you know what? This is from the Icon Factory, so that's why I bought it. Um, Icon Factory is a is a great web developer, and they make some great apps. And when they release this one, I download it, but I use it all the time. So what it does is, uh, you know, you take pictures. Sometimes you take pictures with your phone. Sometimes you take them with your fancy camera, and you put them on your phone. But uh, Apple's photos has never been very good at showing you all the EXIF data on them. And uh, Exify does. It allows you to show you exposure and lens information, image size, um, uh, color sampling, RGB luminosity. It just it, any kind of information that's possible to get from a photo, it can give you. And then they have an extension uh, that plugs into the Photos app. So you can see the information from right in the Photos app using their extension, which is kind of awesome. And uh, it has some other tools, like you can add a watermark or remove your GPS metadata. So, like, if you got a picture, you're going to put it on Twitter, take it at your house. You might want to take your, your location information off so you can do that to protect your privacy. So, um, Exify is really a jack-of-all-trades for that kind of stuff. And I had two or three apps I was using to do some of these tools before. And once I got Exify, it does all of the stuff, and I got rid of those old apps. Hmm. That sounds like a great pick. I may have to check that out. The one that I am using, which I'll just add as kind of an alternative to to look at, but it sounds like Exify might do everything that mine does and more, um, but is a is a utility called View EXIF. Um, and it, it does a lot of the same and similar things. It's an iOS extension, which allows you to view all of the metadata um, from your photos and videos. Uh, and you can do stuff like, I think you can add some metadata, but it also allows you to remove the location metadata again before you post something to social media. Oh, that was a quick pick. So I guess it's back to you again. Yeah, it is. Um, I've got some that are specific to the iPad. But before I get to that one, I'd like to say the granddaddy, granddaddy of all um, utility apps, and that's Workflow. See, I don't know that that classifies as a utility. I didn't put, I didn't put that in, and I think, I think, I think you're cheating. 
Oh, really? How so? How's that not a utility? I, I would say, I would argue, Workflow is a productivity app that creates utilities. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll, I'll agree with you because it, it, it's almost like an app development platform. Um, okay. But I want to say one thing about you, uh, about Workflow before we move on. because I got, no, Okay. That's fine. I'll allow it. I, I, I spoke about it at the, um, at the uh, Command-D conference that, that Sal uh, Segoyan did. And before I spoke, some guy walked up to me and said, hey, I've heard about this app. I've never used it. I can't wait to learn about this app in your presentation. So I'm like, okay, so there's a guy in the audience that's never opened the app. And then I look in the back row and there's a bunch of the guys that made the app. <laughs> so I had, the, my, my audience was uh, people who were the world's biggest experts in the app and people who had never used it before. So that was a real challenge. But but uh, being at that conference and, and talking to some of the folks, uh, they can't say much, they work for Apple, but but there is some obvious signs that Workflow is still getting a lot of love and support from Apple. It just got an, a, a significant update that not only added uh, some new tools to it, but also uh, upgraded the app to fix bugs that are going to work with iOS 11. So Apple is putting a ton of effort, or at least significant effort, into keeping the lights on at Workflow. So uh, for those of you writing me and saying, I don't want to use Workflow because Apple bought it, I'm afraid they're going to shut it down. It still works great. And you're silly not to use it because it's just an amazing tool for iOS. So I'll get off my soapbox. And uh, I do I need to give you another pick now, Katie, since since that one didn't count? No. Well, yeah, that was your pick. So now it's my turn. I get to pick. OK, I didn't know because you kind of disqualified me. I wasn't sure if I had to get another one. Well, I disqualified you. You went anyway. So I think that's a forfeit. <laughs> OK, so I win the episode. Always, always Katie Floyd. You always win. Um, so I want to talk about Hootsuit. Hootsuit? Hootsuite? Hootsuite. Hootsuite. Yes. Yeah. It's just so much better to say Hootsuit. <laughs> um, so Hootsuite. I, uh, especially as I've been my my own business, I did not realize how important it was for your business to have a social media presence. And you're like, I'm just a trust and estates lawyer. Why does my business need to have a social media presence? And I cannot tell you for sure that I've gotten clients off of Facebook or off of Twitter or anything like that, probably more so Facebook than any of the others right now, Facebook probably being the biggest one. But I can definitely tell you that I have gotten visibility off of Facebook. I've gotten people talking about me off of Facebook. I've gotten people seeing about my business and reading things that I write off of Facebook. So I have learned that the more engaged I am, although you got to be careful because you can't be too engaged because then people just unfollow you because you're kind of spamming them. Um, with Facebook, the more visible I am in the community, the more people know about me and the more likely they are to talk about me. So I have started um, uh, becoming more aware of things that I can post to my various social media platforms for my business. And for that, I use Hootsuite. Um, the reason that I use that is it's free for some basic use. And obviously, if you want to use it for more advanced features, you're going to have to pay for it. I may end up paying for it soon because now that people know that I do this, I've actually been asked to manage social media for a bunch of like bar associations and volunteer organizations. And they're like, hey, you're doing really good with your Facebook page. Can you do ours? I'm like, yeah, great. Thank you. Um, so the one thing that it will let you do is it will let you post things to multiple platforms. So for example, I can take a photo, I can take a blog post, I can take a link. This may kind of be what Linky does, David. I'm not quite sure. 
from how you described it. And you can allow it to post to multiple social media platforms. So if there's a cute meme that's going around, I can't believe I'm saying this, or if there's an article that's of particular relevance um, to, to my particular area, I can choose where to post it and when to post it. So you can post to all of your social media platforms. You can say, no, this is not something I want on Facebook. Maybe I just want it on LinkedIn, or maybe I just want it on Twitter. And you can say, you know, I want to post this, but I've already posted something today. So I'm going to hold off and post this day after tomorrow, but I don't want to forget. So I'm going to schedule it. So it automatically posts the day after tomorrow, or maybe this isn't a good time to post it because people are asleep. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll post it tomorrow morning instead. So that's what it lets you do. Now we are we have a lot left on this list, Katie. I will go with uh, some of the stuff I use on the iPad. Uh, one of them, it, which is also picked by the users in the Facebook group, is Duet. Duet Display is an app. If you've got a fancy iPad, you can wirelessly or through a cord plug it into your uh, your iMac and have it as a second screen right next to your Mac. Uh, I do this when we record the show. I put some of the the recording data on an iPad screen next to my uh, iMac so I can have all the stuff I'm reading from and the outlines on the actual screen. Uh, I know people that also use this on the road. If they've got a big iPad and a laptop, it gives them a second screen when they're sitting in a hotel room. Uh, it's a great app. I, you know, I don't know if you go to their website, they've got this stuff, you know, made by former Apple engineers. And I don't know why people do that, but I guess it shows that these guys are pretty smart, but it it just works really great. There were several apps over the years that that tried to do this, and they all seemed like they were a little laggy and not that consistent. Whereas Duet Display has been solid the whole time. Yeah, that's another really good one. Uh, I'm going to pick one, uh, Price Radar. Uh, I think this is actually an app that you introduced me to, David. So I might be stealing one of your picks here, but you haven't gotten to it yet. I consider this a utility. Price Radar is a tool where you can um, save a link from Amazon or import your wish list from Amazon and receive a push notification on your iPhone if something drops below a certain price or hits a certain price threshold. So let me give you an example of how I'm using it right now. You know, prices on Amazon can can fluctuate wildly and then occasionally things will will pop up on like an Amazon warehouse deal or or something like that. Um, I am switching out all the door handles in my house. So the door handles in my house were originally kind of this gaudy gold and this this round door handle. And it was it, it was clearly something from another time. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to switch everything out with more of the satin nickel, a little more modern fixture, um, something that was more of a lever as opposed to a round knob. So I found stuff that I liked. I went to my local home improvement store and I found it, but it, like to change out everything in my house was going to be over a thousand dollars because it was like 30 bucks for the basic knob and, you know, maybe 35 bucks for like one with a lock and all this other stuff. And when I went around and started, you know, counting all the doors that I had in my house, it was just starting to get ridiculous. And I just thought, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? So I found the same levers on Amazon made by the same company, same manufacturer, and they were about 10 bucks less expensive on Amazon, which I thought, oh, great, I can get them less expensive. But then I noticed that they tend to come through Amazon warehouse deals probably a couple of months, and you can get them as cheap as $5, 5 to $15. So I have gotten probably about, uh, at this point, 70% of the, the doorknobs in my house swapped out. I've just got a price alert set that whenever any of them drop below 
I get an alert and I just go and buy it because it's not something I need to do immediately. Um, but it sure beats paying retail for it. And they show up a couple of days later. And whenever I get a stack of them, I just go start installing. It's been great. Yeah, it's also nice if there's something kind of big you've been wanting, but you didn't want to, you know, spend full price for it. But if suddenly it was 30% off, it would make a lot of sense to you. And you just put it in there and then you forget about it. And one day price radar says, oh, that drone you wanted is like half off. And then suddenly you got to, uh, you got yourself a drone, right? Then there's a decision to be made. Have you ever, have you ever flown a drone? I don't see that as like a thing you do. Not only have I flown a drone, I have flown a drone that is the USS Enterprise. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding you. Is it yours or is it? Uh, so this is what I did. Um, so there is a, um, an inter- a USS Enterprise drone. I got it on Amazon when it was on sale. And, um, With price radar. <laughs> yeah. I, so I didn't even know this was a thing. I didn't know it was available. And um, I, I bought it. And I, so I bought it for my brother for his birthday. So it's like win-win. So like, number one, I get my brother an awesome birthday present. And his wife looked at me and totally rolled her eyes. She's like, I can't believe you did this. I just can't believe you did this. And I was like, you're very, very welcome. And my brother just stopped opening his birthday presents. And he's oh, like, yeah, he went like, he went full 10 year old on you. Yeah. He's like, you want to go outside and fly? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Nice. And then you don't have to store it. You can just go over his house and play with it. Whenever exactly. You want. Best present ever. Yeah. All right. Uh, so another big utility for me on iPad is screens. Um, it's the uh, app that allows you to phone home and see your 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 uh, Mac screen. So uh, if I'm in the coffee shop and suddenly I need to do something that's only available on my Mac, uh, I can use screens to get in. And uh, there's other apps that do this um, remote access stuff. But uh, ever since screens came out, I've been really happy with it. They just came out with screens for version four for a Mac uh, last six months or so and added some new features. And it's just a solid app for me. Use it all the time. Yeah, I agree. Screens is, is my remote desktop app of choice on my Mac. I actually use it on my Mac and on, I'm sorry, my remote desktop of choice on my iPad. Um, I use it on my phone too, but not as much. Um, but it, it's also the one that I have on my Mac. It's, it's definitely without a doubt the one that I use. I, I like it a lot. This episode of the Mac Power Users is sponsored by Omni Outliner. Whether you're taking notes, making lists, brainstorming, or starting your book, Omni Outliner is for you. Katie and I have talked about how much we use Omni Outliner on the show for years. Omni Outliner is my favorite outlining tool really on any platform. I use it on my Mac, my iPad, and my iPhone. Like all of the Omni Group applications, not only is Omni Outliner beautiful, it's also super easy to use and productive. And now it's easier to start working with Omni Outliner than ever. With the release of Omni Outliner version 5, the Omni Group released Omni Outliner Essentials. Omni Outliner Essentials is a really powerful outlining tool. It includes tools like keyword filtering, document stats, distraction-free mode, uh, resource search, touch bar support, dark mode, OPML. It's got a lot of great features in there. And best of all, right now you can get it for just $10. Now, I know there's some of you out there that have never used Omni Outliner or maybe never used an outlining tool at all. If you're using your Mac to be productive, for $10, I just don't think you can go wrong with Omni Outliner Essentials. Once you put it on your Mac, you will find uses for it. If you need more power, Omni Outliner 5 Pro is also out there, which gives even more features to Omni Outliner. 
But in this case, I'd like to say that if you're just outline curious, you should go ahead and purchase Omni Outliner 5 Essentials. For a very low price, you get all those years of experience at the Omni Group building outlining applications and a nice little package that fits on your Mac and is sitting there waiting for you the next time you need to take notes in class or organize some thoughts or plan the next great novel. To learn more, head over to omnigroup.com slash omnioutliner and let them know you heard about it here on the Mac Power Users. Thanks, Omni Group, for making Omni Outliner and supporting this show. All right, so um, a couple of other ones. Um, my next one I picked, this is one that is Verizon-specific. There may be one from, from your particular carrier. Um, the one that I got was a, a an app called Message Plus. This was from Verizon. I used this when I was traveling overseas. And what Message Plus allowed me to do is it was basically a text messaging forwarding app. So once you registered for it, um, any text messages that were sent to your account would now show up in the Verizon application, this Message Plus app. And so when I was traveling overseas, I often didn't have my... um, uh, what is it called? Not Wi-Fi, but my my LTE or my cellular my cellular coverage on because I didn't want to pay for it because it was like ten bucks a day to pay for cellular coverage. So on days when we were mostly on the boat or things like that, I just used the Wi-Fi on the boat, which was great for people who sent me iMessages uh, because you know iMessage would just come over through through Wi-Fi. But anybody who was sending me a text message it needed the cellular connection and those text messages wouldn't come through. So for that, from time to time, I opened up and used the Message Plus application. So I could pop in there from time to time to see if anybody had sent me any text messages, which there were a few and there were a few that were important. Um, And I could see what was sent as well as if they had sent pictures. In fact, while we were on the boat, my cousin had a baby and my aunt had sent a... um, uh, one of these things where she sent a, a text with pictures of my my cousin and the baby to multiple people, and so of course, if one person in that string is is not on iMessage, you know, it sends it all as a text message, and so that was how I got pictures of the baby is because they were they were sent through the Message Plus app, even though I wasn't using my cellular data. So I, I mentioned that because even if you don't have Verizon, your your carrier may have something similar, and it could be a good utility to use if you're traveling. Yeah, nice. Uh, another iPad-related utility is called AstroPad, A-S-T-R-O-P-A-D. And uh, it basically turns your iPad into a drawing device. So you can draw on the um, on the iPad and it shows up on your Mac. Um, it's not as great as some of these um, uh, stylus um, tablets that are out there, but it, it, you know, it does the job. And if the iPad's sitting there already, why not? Especially with Apple Pencil. Uh, I set it up. I thought it was really cool, and I, I rarely use it, but I know that there are folks out there that use the heck out of this thing, like uh, illustrators and whatnot. Um, another one that I use is, I think we talked about this on a previous show. It's called Stocard, S-T-O-C-A-R-D. And what Stocard does is it gives you a place where you can keep all of those reward cards. So maybe you've got a reward card to your local grocery store. Maybe you've got a card to your drugstore. Maybe you've got, um, you know, a card to the sub shop where you go and you can earn bonus points and rewards and things like that. But, you know, more and more companies are doing this by app, but a lot of places still have all these little cards that they want you to keep on your keychain. And personally, I like to keep a very minimalist keychain if I can. I don't want anything on my keychain. 
And I, um, I, so I keep all of those kind of rewards cards in Stowcard. And I have not had a problem with tellers uh, pulling it up off of my phone. So whenever I go to a store that I know has one of those rewards apps, I've, I've got that stored in Stowcard. And I just have them scan it there. And then I get my points or whatever. And don't have to worry about carrying anything extra. So that works well. Oh, and the reason that I like this one is it syncs up with iCloud and it has a backup component so that when you reset your iPhone, you don't have to go. Because then years ago, I then threw out all the cards. And, and, and so if you go to reset your phone, sometimes you have to add all that stuff back in. And so I like this because it gives you the ability to back that stuff up and sync up with iCloud. So you don't have to go re-add it if you get a new phone. The, um, uh, the, the next one, another kind of ultimate utility is, is Panic's Transmit. Um, uh, now they make an app for the Mac that's kind of the you know the one that everybody uses for file transfer on the Mac. Whether you know wherever you're sending files, uh, wherever you're sending them from, Transmit can work. They just came out with version five a month or two ago. I bought it immediately. Um, uh, but they also make one for iOS, and this is another one where you feel like, how did these guys get this through? Because it seems like it does a lot more than Apple would ever want someone to do on an iOS device. But if you have the need to transfer files between things like Amazon storage or secure storage, or you've just got a, you just need a way, a set of uh, an app to connect pipes on the internet to move files around. I don't think there's anything better than transmit. And, uh, and I love that little app. So, uh, uh, it's another one that sits in my utility or my fix folder. I don't use it very often, but when I do need it, I sure am glad to have it. All right, I think we're we're coming to the to the end at least of our picks here, but we we do have a lot more from the from the Facebook group. Um, kind of some of my last ones that I want to pick is Doodle. Uh, Doodle is one that we've talked about for scheduling, and it is great for scheduling with a group of people. Um, in fact, we're trying to get something scheduled with four different people, and rather than sending emails back and forth and saying, "Hey, how about Tuesday? No, how about Thursday? How about three o'clock? How about six o'clock? Ah, nope, I'm not available." Um, what Doodle allows you to do is to create a poll and send it to people and then let them select their availability and it just cuts out all that back and forth and then you take a look you see who's available when and you set the date um, doodle used to have a abysmal ios app but it's gotten a lot better now so um, the doodle ios app is now actually usable um, they do have an iMessage app i recommend not using it though unless everybody you know has the iMessage app because it's kind of one of those weird things uh, but you can now create and share doodle polls directly from uh, the iOS app, it works really well. It will integrate with your calendar. So it's definitely worth something to check out if you like creating doodles on the go. You know, I had completely given up on their app. I'm glad you put this in here because I didn't know that it got better. So I have always done it on the web. So I'm going to download the app and give it a shot. It got better. Yeah, another utility type app for me um, is just access to storage is, is the Backblaze app. And this one's kind of uh, just for people who use Backblaze, obviously, but they did a really good job with it. And because Backblaze allows me to back up not only my iMac, but all the you know various hard drives attached to it, I've actually got a, quite a bit of data available to me on iOS. And uh, the Backblaze app is in a jam. Sometimes you say, well, there's a file. I know it's on my Mac, but it's not on this device. I can usually get to it. Yeah, that's one that I use quite a bit, too. Um, so I guess the, the last one that I'll pick for now um, is Do. And a lot of people may call foul on this and say, no, no, Do is a utility or Do is not a utility. It's a productivity app. But I'm going to say no. I think Do is a utility, whereas tools like OmniFocus and Reminders are productivity apps. So what is Do? Do is a 
to call it a reminders app is not true. To call it a timers app is not really true, although it will do that. But do is an application that will remind you of something at a specific time. And then unlike regular reminders apps, it will pester you until you actually get it done. So the, the problem with reminders for me is I would set a reminder for something, you know, remind me at eight o'clock on, on Wednesdays to take out the trash. And inevitably at eight o'clock on Wednesdays, I would be doing something else. And the reminder would pop up on my phone. I would dismiss it. It would go away. And then I would find myself, you know, at 930 or 10 o'clock and realize, oh, I forgot to take out the trash. What do will do um, is it will remind you at eight o'clock on Wednesday to take out the trash and then it will remind you at 815 and then it will remind you at 830 and then it will remind you at 845 and then at nine o'clock and it will keep pestering you until something is actually done. And so it is I don't put everything in do, but I put things that absolutely that really need to be done at a specific time in do. And of course, you can snooze it. So if you're out to dinner with somebody, you can snooze a, a reminder for an hour so that's not pestering you every 15 minutes. And you can customize it. So for something that's really, really, really important, you can set it to pester you every minute. Or something that's not so important, you can set it to pester you every hour. But that's why for me, do is a utility, where something like OmniFocus or Reminders is more of a productivity tool. Yeah, you know, I just put a couple things in do, but it's very useful, you know. And, um, uh, I was a little sour on the app about six months ago because I was having trouble with it dropping. The, the sync was not working 100% for me. I was using the iCloud sync for it. But there was something going on where it was like not syncing and then suddenly the the alarms I was counting on weren't showing up. And um, I know they've done several updates and I just, you know, kind of as we were heading towards this show and also just because I missed it, I, I reinstalled it and got everything rolling again about three weeks ago. And it's been working really solid for me since I reinstalled. So I don't, I don't know what, and that's on the iOS 11 beta. So I, I don't know um, what's going on, but it, it feels to me like the app is more reliable now. So they, they just had a major update to version 2.5 where they have now added iCloud syncing um, and support for like CloudKit syncing and um, background support. Uh, they were using iCloud before, weren't but they? But they, they weren't, weren't using, using CloudKit. CloudKit, yeah. Right. So that's been a major change that has come in 2.5. I will tell you that I've not had quite as good luck as you have since that 2.5 update with, with it syncing um, between multiple iOS devices. However, I am also running a beta, so I'm, I'm not willing to say that it's not better yet because I'm running a beta. But there's always, there's always Dropbox. Hey, let's talk about some of the apps that came off Facebook. Yeah, we got a we got a lot of great um, tips from our Facebook group about apps. Um, one of them that that I wholeheartedly support is Authy. Um, Authy is an app that does really one thing well, and that is hold your two factor authentication tokens. I personally keep mine in one password these days. One password didn't count for the show because I consider that so much more than a utility app. Um, but Authy is kind of a one thing well app. It will it will hold all of those two factor authentication codes um, and give you very quick access to them. Uh, another one uh, listeners wrote in was Launcher, which is an app that it's an app that launches apps, as 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 you would say. And um, uh, this used to be a big deal to me uh, before. Workflow kind of came into my life, and I, I just don't use it anymore since Workflow kind of took over. Yeah. 
Um, data Man was one that was recommended, I believe, by Elizabeth. That is a data tracking app. This is one that I used to have installed, um, but I will tell you it's kind of gone by the wayside since the built-in Verizon app now mostly does this for me. Uh, but what Data Man allows you to do is it allows you to track your data usage. And you know, so, for example, if you have a limited data plan, it will tell you how much you've used, how much you've got left, and it will automatically reset itself every month. This was always something that I thought the built-in data tracker in iOS should have done. It should have had the ability to automatically reset itself, but it didn't. Um, so if you're uh, if you don't have a good utility um, for your um, your your provider, uh, check out Data Man. Uh, we had several people write in saying that, you know, one of their favorite utilities is insert word of Pomodoro app here. You know, there's all these different Pomodoro timer apps. And the idea of that is you set a little timer. So you give yourself a focused work period and then the timer goes off. You take a little break and then you go back and you kind of put yourself on this on this workflow. And a lot of people like using Pomodoro uh, apps as their favorite utilities. Do, do you have one that you like? I'm using a Pomodoro timer on the Mac, but I don't have one on the iPhone. Uh, you know, I, I've kind of fallen off the wagon on that. I, I do occasionally set focused work period, but I just, on my watch, I say set a timer for X minutes. And then when it goes off, I take a break. I mean, everything got so much easier with the watch in terms of timers that that it, it, it reduced the amount of time I spend. You know, it reduced my need for those types of apps. Yeah, I agree. It did. Um, another one that got a lot of love is the Mileage IQ app. Um, this is for people who have to track their mileage for work purposes or if you're a small business owner and you like to deduct your mileage. Um, mileage IQ is something that will automatically track that mileage and then you just go in and tell it, you know, what this trip was for. Was it a business trip? Was it not? Um, so that's something you should probably check out if you're someone who needs to keep track of your mileage for an expense report or for tax purposes. There's a text-related recommendation that I've never used before uh, called Excerpt. And uh, it allows you to quote any text from any app using an action extension, and then it formats it nicely for sharing in social media. Maybe that'd be something for uh, for some of the stuff you're doing, Katie. Yeah. Oh, and I think it's actually Mile IQ, not Mileage IQ. Sorry. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, the airport utility. If you are using an airport uh, base station you probably want to check out the airport utility that Apple gives you because it will do a whole lot to help you manage your airport networks as well as to troubleshoot those networks. Yeah, since I got on the Aero bandwagon, I haven't used that app for a while. Uh, to, I don't think we mentioned the speed test utility. Uh, it's night. There's several of them um, out there. Uh, the one I use is speedtest.net's speed test utility. I think that's the one out there. That's the big one. Yeah, and um, it's nice. Uh, occasionally, if you've got a web issue, to be able on your phone or iPad to run a speed test and see exactly how your network performance is. It's a nice utility to have in your back pocket. Yeah, I will tell you, um, this is one that I also don't use as much anymore because the Eero has this built in, and you can actually see what the speeds are back and forth to your network. But it's great, especially if you're not on your home network and you want to know what what's going on here. Yeah, like if you're in a public place and you're using their Wi-Fi because you have VPN and you're, it's okay because you have VPN, or do you use your cellular network? If you're doing something big, you have a speed test app, you can figure out which, which service is going to get the job done faster. There are so many more of these in the Facebook group, so I'd point you in that direction. Uh, if you're in the Facebook group, go check out some of the other utilities that people recommended. And, you know, maybe the one that you truly love, we didn't mention, that's why we have the feedback show. So send in an audio comment or uh, write us and let us know, and we'll make sure to get that into the feedback show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we do want to say thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Smile, One Password, Gazelle, and Omni Group. And also a special shout out to all the Mac Power users, uh, subscribers over on the Relay FM membership. We did drop our Relay FM members only show uh, this week as well. So um, go check it out if you're a Relay FM member. You can find it in your members only feed. If you are not, you can go subscribe to become a Relay FM member. Um, and you will then have a members only feed uh, that you can check out to find not only our special special members-only bonus episode, but great content from other producers on this network as well. Yeah, I only gave embarrassing answers to like two or three of those questions you guys asked, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, I think there was more than that, but anyway. <laughs> all right, we'll see you all next week.